I think um, parametric products are um, a great way forward to test all no- a whole number of different hard to ensure areas like reputation risk and supply chains and you know political risks in difficult areas. There's a whole bunch of things you could do with them. Hello, Matthew Grant here. Welcome to the Instec London podcast. Now, Lloyd's London is one of the oldest insurance institutions in the world. And for anyone interested in innovation, it has a fascinating history of using the latest techniques to assess risk. It's often able and willing to provide insurance for coverage that others wouldn't or couldn't. The Lloyd's Lab recently celebrated the success of its third cohort. And if you're a regular listener, you'll have heard my interviews with a number of the companies that have been part of the lab. And all of them have been very pleased with their experience. So for this episode, I was delighted to spend some time with Trevor Maynard, who is Head of Innovation at Lloyd's. Trevor's responsibilities include the Lloyd's Lab and the recently launched Product Innovation Facility. Trevor's team also published Risk Insight reports, exploring future trends and opportunities for insurance and innovations. Take a look at the episode notes for the link to download those. If you're wondering what goes on in the lab, how to apply and what the benefits are, as well as a description of the product innovation facility, well, keep listening. And that's not all. You can listen to our podcast wherever you are without fear of missing out on all the great information people share with us because we're now publishing a transcript of this and most of our interviews on the website. And also look out for the articles of the interviews that we have coming up soon. All of this at www. Well, Trevor, it's great to be back in the lab. I came along last night to the end of Cohort 3, and it was a tremendous party. And I think the the good news was all the enthusiasm I've heard from people along the way was still there at the end. Uh, You trained in statistics, got a PhD, and then joined Lloyd's back in 2005. You've seen various roles there uh, looking after emerging risks Head of Exposure Management, and now you are Head of Innovation for, I think, was a new role at Lloyd's as Head of Innovation, is that right? Yeah, there was a new role um, in January 2017. How do you sort of describe what your uh, responsibilities are? Yeah, I mean, I guess the key responsibility is around um, stimulating an innovation culture, and we have um, a couple of key things there. We've got the Lloyd's Lab, which is um, a kind of accelerator, which brings the market together with startups and we also have the thought leadership function which is all about horizon scanning what the insurance industry of the future needs to be Um, and um, we've also created something called the product innovation facility now working with the market so it's all all about stimulating innovation in insurance good i'll come back to that the product innovation facility in a minute but just starting off first of all with the lab. So this is the third cohort that, that finished now. Uh, what's your impressions of how, how that went? I'm really delighted by it. I think it was um, it was different in the sense that we targeted slightly later stage companies deliberately because we wanted it to be um, in parallel with the future at Lloyd's. And so uh, the future at Lloyd's prospectus, you remember, come, came out in April and set out some sort of um, aims and objectives. And then the blueprint came out in September. Um, And so we targeted uh, cohort three to be um, responding to some of those challenges in the prospectus. So um, it was very successful, really delighted with how it turned out. There was some um, really interesting proofs of concept that they did with different managing agents. Um, And yesterday we had demo day and they took us through everything they've achieved, um, which I was really delighted by. 
Yeah, and it sounds like the sort of focused uh, period of time gives people a chance to be able to come up with some goals, get some help from the market, and then deliver on that towards the end. So suddenly when you were talking about it yesterday, it sounded like you had some very specific outcomes for some of the companies that, that came through. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's a 10-week programme, which some people have sometimes said feels quite short, but actually it does focus the mind it means that the mentors from the managing agents know that they're in for a finite period. It's not going to be an endless um, kind of uh, working with us endlessly, which is good. Um, and it focuses the minds of the of the startups themselves. Yeah, I mean, an example, we had Climacell. Um, they have um, produced a kind of app which uses their weather forecasting and, and works. And they're working um, with um, a managing agent um, in future in, in one of their product lines to try and bring that weather forecasting in to their day-to-day -day, um, underwriting process. That was pretty exciting. Um, I think HX is a great example. They were um, bringing a system um, to try and formalize actuarial pricing. Um, and they've done three proofs of concept whilst they were in the lab. They set out to do one, but they had such great mentors, they were able to do three. And they were able to cut the time it took to bring new products to market really, really quickly. So it's very good. And there's lots of other examples. I had a great discussion with Amrit at one of the earlier podcasts, and it was good to see he was enthusiastic yesterday as he was when I spoke to him halfway through. And, and yeah, no surprise that he's ended up with three times as many results as he was originally planning to do. You mentioned there that the, the way you approach it this time was to go for slightly more uh, established companies as part of the future of Lloyd's. Is that, as you sort of look forward at the balance between the early stage startups and sort of more established companies, do, do you have a sort of view as to what's going to happen next with the, the future cohorts? I mean, we're, we're literally thinking about that right now, what cohort four will be. We've decided it's going to start at the end of April next year, which is the same time that cohort two started. Um, we are quite open-minded at this stage about what the cohort should be about. I think that the later stage company approach has worked well in the sense that they had products to offer to the market and they could pivot them slightly, but they had a, a real solid core of things already developed. But I have a view as well that um, you know early stage is still really important because if you want to you know really try something very new then you're going to need to be in at the beginning and watch it grow so I'd like to think that we can continue with a mix but um, we're going we're to think about that as time goes past. And, and with the engagement for the market I guess one of the tests of these types of things is once you get past the initial excitement and people wanting to get engaged and you run your mentor program are you still seeing quite a lot of people willing to commit time and work with the organisations you've got coming through? Very much. I mean, it's been great. The, the mentors this year, um, this this cohort we had, um, I think it was around about 60 um, from 24 managing agents. So a very large proportion of the market making people available and really enthusiastically taking part. And what was really good was that they were clearly having strategic conversations with their firms about how to embed the technology. So it wasn't as if it was, you know, playtime. It was proper commercial activity and they were trying to think how they could embed it in their company. So yeah, I'd, I'd say the support, if anything, has strengthened over the three cohorts, which is really great actually, because people always get excited when something new happens and then it can dwindle. But so far it's, it's if anything, strengthened. So the mentors that come through, are they, do they tend to just do it on their own initiative or is it, do you find organisations are looking at what you're doing the managing agents and saying right we want to be part of this and then they go in and you know, they themselves are, are being mentors as an organization or is it more just driven by individuals who, who just take the initiative themselves to get involved i think it's a bit of both um i think so when we ask the question at pitch day we actually ask the question um are you willing to mentor 
And originally, we also asked a question, which was, do you have company support? Because we wanted precisely to test whether it was sort of innovation hobbyists, who I absolutely love, but may, may not be plugged in strategically, or was it with the backing of the company? Um, but I think now we've, it's so obviously got the backing of the companies that we don't ask that question now. Um, but that said, you do still have real enthusiasts that keep coming back time and again. That, uh, several people will sit through all of Demo Day, for example, because they want to see all of it. So it's a balance, but um, the one thing I will say is unless we have the strategic support from the, the companies themselves, then it won't go anywhere, and I'm glad to say we've got it. One of the things we've talked about before is that balance between the people and maybe in the middle level in the organisation who are really keen and making a difference and got some ideas. And how do they sort of bring those ideas into the organisation? I guess this is a good way of bringing, you know, giving them something to actually engage with, and they bring back to their own, their own companies. No, I mean it's, it's been impressive. I've heard that, you know, that from a number of the people on here as well is how much value they've got from the mentors, and I think even a couple of them have actually managed to start getting some commercial discussions going, just in the periods they've been here. So, for anybody that's looking at the lab uh, and what the experience looks like, can you just talk through what happens over those ten weeks? Maybe I'll start with the when they right from the point at which they apply. So um, Lmarks we're working with is a company that scouts, um, and so they'll often get a call from Lmarks saying Lloyd's Lab is doing another cohort. We think what your company offers could be interesting. Would you like to apply? And then they they fill in a pretty brief form. To be honest, we review those. So the first couple of cohorts we got about two hundred applications because we went later stage this time. It narrowed the field a little bit. We got one hundred and thirty, so still very good. Um, and we narrow those down internally with some market input as well to make sure that we get a, um, a good bunch of people along to what we call pitch day. So pitch day is where we invite in around about 24 companies to present either face to face or over Skype. Some of them are overseas and so obviously we make it a little bit less costly for them by allowing the Skype option. And um, then there's an audience there of the market who will be judging those pitches and they have a voting app which Elmarks provides as well and we ask questions like you know what do you think of the um, calibre of the management team of the company uh, would you work with them in the syndicate will it you know that sort of question and also crucially would you be willing to mentor and would you be willing to share data with them because we we found that again if people aren't willing to actually come step forward then their vote is in a sense worth less so then at the end then at the end of the day we will take all those votes and we'll figure out who the most popular ones were and invite around about 10 this time it was 13 in for the 10 weeks and then how the 10 weeks works is um, they start on day one they get a bit of an introduction into how the Lloyd's market functions they don't always know that we're quite complicated as as you will know and um, then they get a few more um, things they get told about how the future at Lloyd's is working and all of those things um, and then we set up the mentor meetings for them and that's been one of the key things that they've commented on is the value is that they get multiple mentors so it's not just one company it's multiple companies um, and then they have a series of mentor meetings we have something called midpoint review where we just basically see if there's any roadblocks and any issues um, and it gets them starting to think about demo day um, because that comes along really quickly 10 weeks isn't very long um, and we start saying what are you going to announce and you know that kind of thing gets them thinking and then really it's a question of more mentor meetings developing their products and then demo days where they tell us what they did and i guess you've got a slightly unique model and uh, certainly our marks i know do or help build accelerators and, and innovation labs and things for across multiple industries but the, the the access to the market is pretty unique in terms of what you've got here H how do you balance giving people the sort of freedom to develop relationships and then go off and just deliver it themselves versus 
you're kind of coaching them, putting them through very specific programs about how to build a company. I mean, I guess that's quite, every organization is going to be in a slightly different place and need slightly different things. So how do you sort of handle that you know, desire and need for freedom versus some uh, structure around the, the 10 weeks? For me, the key outcome is that there are meaningful commercial conversations that lead to actual either products or licensing services or perhaps investment. Um, so that's our ultimate aim, and it doesn't really matter how you get there. So we've deliberately tried not to overstructure it. Um, for example, some companies um, are interested in investment when they come in, um, but we haven't insisted on that because that would preclude a whole raft of further developed companies that wouldn't be looking for that. Um, we've got no real sense of scale either in the sense, you know, we had Experian in the lab this time, a um, very large company with, ex um, you know, a whole raft of data um, analysis skills um, all the way down to in the past we've had people who started out with a, you know, more or less a blank piece of paper. So um, I think we're quite keen to that they do retain that freedom actually and that they can go and form the conversations with the managing agents as they wish. Um, and. Um, you know, we're, we're, we would like to um, bring things together if it, if it helps and do some sort of central coordination, but I wouldn't want that to get in the way of them um, creating those links. You mentioned investment in there, and there's an announcement that Lloyd's had invested in, in Lair, one of the companies that came through the previous cohorts. Is that a specific part of what you're doing with the lab? Have you got a separate investment fund there, or how does that overall relationship work in terms of funds being invested in in companies we invested in layer and um, there was always an aspect to the lab where we would have the potential to look at investment and that would be of course if the company wanted it and at the same time if it was um, of interest to us um, we, the investment isn't the main reason for the lab though so we don't have a large investment fund there is money to invest but it's not it's not the key purpose of the lab um, but in that case we thought it was a very interesting company and um, you know that they're, they're trying to do something really interesting in distribution um, for small enterprises in the US and really exploring kind of frictionless underwriting um, which I think you know is great when you've got a very low margin part of the business the only way to keep involved in it is to find ways of you know saving as many costs as possible and they were doing things like um, you know, interfacing with cloud accounting systems so people didn't need to fill in forms and using AI to do recommendations of what to buy, um, which for those small companies that are wanting to pay as little as possible, that's really the only way, I would say. So it's a pretty interesting concept. I guess a good link into the the whole future of Lloyd's and some of the things laid out in, in Blueprint 1, which we'll come to in a minute, but just sit back on that investment. So is there a, is there a, a separate fund that Lloyd's is running that's looking for opportunities to invest, or is this more about like a sort of seed funding where individual company might need it, but you're not necessarily trying to run, also run a fund and make money from a fund. The investment would be done on strategic purposes. We were clear that it wasn't about the making money side of the investment at that stage. It was about the stimulating the innovation. Um, obviously, Future at Lloyd's is itself a big programme, um, but we are still, uh, in principle, looking at companies in that context. And I think over the coming months, as Future at Lloyd's becomes clearer, you know, in our service hub, um, approach it becomes clearer as well then that that aspect may evolve but you know at the moment um, that's kind of where we are okay and so just to help set expectations to maybe avoid you getting hundreds of email people looking for funding is is that funding from Lloyd's only for companies going through the cohorts or is it are you also looking at companies outside of your cohorts to provide funding to 
at the moment it's just people coming through the cohorts I suppose whenever I'm asked that sort of question I think well if the the most amazing company came forward and looked really exciting then I'd like to think we could make a business case for it so you know which right, probably so doesn't doesn't help me with the emails does it <laughs> we'll see what happens it might be a good loop back into selecting companies for the, for the lab so so just talking a bit about that so not surprisingly because you know there is lots of good uh, feedback coming out of the companies that have been part of this and actually the mentors as well so I, I've been approached by a number of people who asked me how they actually get onto the lab you mentioned that LMARCs do the scouting but can people also uh, apply to be part of the lab even if they don't get a, a, an email from LMARCs asking them to apply yeah definitely um, so uh, once we open up a cohort then there's a link on lawyerslab.com which tells them how to apply and it will take them to that LMARCs app so doesn't you don't have to wait for a phone call? That's absolutely right. Good. Okay. And then so future of Lloyd's. So I guess the interesting thing was uh, as the future of Lloyd's is being developed, you had the prospectus initially earlier this year, and then Blueprint One came out uh, a few weeks ago. I assume they've been working very closely with you, based very much a sort of practical experience of what you've seen through the through the lab, uh, and also more generally about what's needed from Lloyd's. So was that a sort of was that a big part of what you were doing, and were the people part of the cohorts engaging specifically with the people developing the future of Lloyd's? So, so this time, this cohort was um, aimed at future at Lloyd's. And so what we made sure was that there was a future at Lloyd's mentor effectively for each team. So um, throughout the cohort, there's been lots of conversations in that respect. They're now fully aware of what capabilities those teams have as they continue to think through what the blueprint's going to look like in practice. There must have been some level of success overall, because I noticed that actually one of the outcomes from Blueprint One was doing more through do the Lloyd's Labs. So it sounds like you you might be doing more cohorts, bigger cohorts, different cohorts. Is that or is that still too early to? So as you say, in Blueprint One, it talks about expanding the lab, and there's lots of ideas of things that we could do, um, ranging from sort of uh, a kind of um, accelerator cohort, which is an idea of starting with earlier stage and trying to give them longer to develop things. But they're all at the moment things for us to consider. We haven't decided yet what we're going to do. Well done as well, because that wouldn't be in there if it wasn't wasn't real. Uh, and you just come back to that point about data. So one of the issues people often bring up is if they're building well, two things really. One is they're kind of building solutions and testing them out, but also actually if they want to roll them out into the real world, is this access to, to data? And understandably, many insurance companies are very careful about who gets access to their, their data. They might provide a sandbox in it. But is, is that one of the areas you've seen success through the work you've done, which is creating more ways for companies to work with either the market generally or with individual companies to get access to data, both for testing and actually ultimately to use as part of the analytics? Yeah, we have seen some success there. I mean, it's very important with data is being seen now as a strategic asset, as it should, which is great news, which obviously means people are cautious and thoughtful about what they can share. But as an example, um, ensure data that came along to the lab this time, um, through our exposure management team, they were able to get access to, I think it was 26,000 location um, policy location details, which they were able to then run through their systems to see if they could improve the accuracy of that. So um, that's a great example where they had a need and because of having the right contacts, we were able to supply um, across a whole load of different managing agents um, examples of data. So we have had some success. We also um, do still find though that there are times when the conversations are difficult and I think that's an area for um, the market to start evolving their thinking around what can be shared and actually 
you might be better off sharing limited amounts of data to develop something in the future than holding on to it yourself and maybe doing nothing with it. So it's kind of a balance, and I'd like to see that evolve personally. Well, I'd just like to switch to that other, I guess, the other main area of responsibility, but also we'd just be good to talk about everything else you're doing under innovation, which is the product innovation facility. Uh, I had the chance to, to be here when you were launching, I think it was the first client, which is Marriott Hotels, uh, with their, which is which is very interesting because it was a parametric or an index-based cover, uh, interesting for lots of reasons, I think, and that's sort of definitely part of what is in the future of lawyers, and generally people looking at more ways to be able to um, access analytics more quickly, get claims paid more quickly. But also one of the things that was very notable about it was a, as a reminder of how rarely we actually see the end client coming in, coming and talking about what their problems are. As part of our work on innovation culture, we looked at barriers to innovation um, and we spoke to the market about um, were there any issues that were getting in the way of innovating product and what we came to the conclusion of was that um, it would be helpful to get some kind of steer from Lloyd's on the fact that we were in fact very pro-innovation and so we, we first did um, an online um, tool called the Market Innovation Guide which came out last year and then the, con- the conversations continued and off the back of that this project um, product innovation facility was launched and it started out as uh, 12 managing agents um, and 53 million of capacity um, and that was a you know I have to shout out Tom Hode here he did an incredible job going round the market um, effectively broking the concept um, and it was done as a slip and they all put their stamps on it as a kind of non-binding agreement but it really solidified it into something real um, and then it launched um, in June and we actually, within about two or three weeks, had um, another 12 uh, managing agents saying, well, you know, this, is, this sounds really good, can we join? And so we're now up to 25 and 118 million of capacity to try product innovation experiments. Are there more opportunities out there beyond the first one with Marriott that are coming into the market and being, being directed towards the, the PIF? Yeah, so there's, there's, um, there's a couple more live ones that they're looking at, um, but there's also, um, if you do product innovation facility in Lloyds of London in Google, you'll get to the landing page, which means there's a form you can fill in. So if you've got, if you're a broker, for example, and you don't know how to get a new innovative idea into the market, then this way you will you will get that idea in front of 24 people reviewing it, 25, sorry. Um, um, or in fact, you could be um, a customer that just simply wants insurance for something and doesn't know yeah. if it can be bought and um, sometimes we can refer you and say you can already buy that um, and other times you know it, it stimulates the thinking so yeah there's there's quite a few ideas um, in the pipeline good and actually the whole area of indices given that is sort of pretty critical for uh, for parametric covers uh, is that something that you're seeing as a kind of unique uh, unique aspect of what you're doing either in the lab or elsewhere through innovations so of looking for indices you can develop or ones that you can use that are elsewhere outside of the insurance industry but could have applications for being used to define when a a loss occurs? I think that um, parametric products are critical for the future of the insurance industry and when you look at the areas of insurance that people have pointed out we are not providing a lot of coverage for at the moment then um, often the reason for that is that they're quite hard to underwrite as areas. And I think parametric products give you the chance to do sort of safe experiments because they're, they, they test the frequency but they don't um, test the severity in the sense that you know exactly what you're going to pay out once the index triggers. 
um, whereas otherwise you might have a very large claim and you hadn't expected it to be that large. So I think um, parametric products are um, a great way forward to test all no a whole number of different hard to insure areas like reputation risk and supply chains and you know political risks in difficult areas. There's a whole bunch of things you could do with them. Practically all of those, I think, are the intangible the tangible risks where people are finding it hard to decide when you know, determine a loss has occurred. It's hard to price it, and there's obviously a big still a big gap or emerging an increasing gap there for for coverage. Is there anything else? I mean, that's, you've you've got probably enough there to probably keep people three people fully engaged. But in terms of your role as innovation, so you've got the lab, you've got the the PIF. Uh, you also, I think, you commissioned some research as well into areas that are of interest to people in the market and beyond. Yeah, so in a sense, the, the um, beginning of the team was to take the horizon scanning team at Lloyd's and convert it over to the innovation team, which we did in 2017. And um, yes, we're still um, carrying out that activity and producing thought leadership research, but now with a strong focus on um, product innovation. So the idea is, although we might be finding new risks, those are opportunities for the insurance industry. So you mentioned intang intangibles. Um, and that will be um, our next big campaign is to look at intangibles in detail, reputation, IP and others, um, and explore what the product opportunities are there. And in fact, the great thing is the product innovation facility has agreed to work hand in hand with that thought leadership work. So we've now joined the two pieces together, which I, I'm very excited about. That's a great new step forward for us. And those horizon scanning reports, they're available to anybody to, to read, is that right? You have them on the Lloyds website? Yeah, lloyds.com slash risk, risk reports will get you to them and they're all freely available. Okay, and then just in terms of your own personal ways you acquire knowledge, I mean, you've got an almost infinite world here in terms of types of insurance, innovation, access to the market. I mean, how, how do you just manage and, and, and be effective about how you're acquiring information yourself? I'm lucky in having a very long and boring commute. So this gives me lots of time to think about and read things. I um, did my PhD on the train, in fact. We are very lucky in the sense that we work with expert partners for all our thought leadership. So we'll find um, you know, real world leaders in a subject and they can teach us what it's about. So um, rather than trying to do too much research that might be going off in the wrong directions, we just find the experts in the world and then learn from them. That's been very effective. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, these days there's, there's so much you can learn online. Um, you know, things like Kaggle is a great thing to look at. I've done a few of their online um, data science courses and things like that. It's, you know, it's it's endless what you can do these days. Yeah. Did you win any prizes from the Kaggle uh, competitions, or have you not gone as far as doing? The I haven't won anything yet, but I I was I was most put out to be a novice, and I was determined not to be one. So I did enough to not to be a contributor. So I've got my badge now. If you're a novice, then that doesn't leave much hope for the rest of us. Um, good. And then actually, when I saw you a couple of weeks ago, you were reading the book uh, Beyond the Idea about innovation, which uh, you, you sort of recommended very highly, but I'd be interested in a couple of words on that as well. About. Yeah, I mean, it's a great book um, because it's clearly written by people that have tried to do innovation in large firms and have got the scars. And what they basically point out is that there's two a firm needs to be split into two parts. There's the production engine, which does all the business as usual stuff. But if you don't think of innovation differently and give, think of them as a series of experiments and give objectives that are set in a different way, then you're going to fail. There's an, they list all the different ways organisations will smother innovation. So if you want to avoid that, it's a great book to read because it gives you some hints and tips on what to do to avoid it. Um, and I found it very inspiring and I also recognised everything in it. It's a big challenge for every every insurance organisation is how to balance that 
innovation and particularly, yeah, you sort of alluded to it earlier on as we were talking about the mentors, but you know, doing the day job for people where they've got short-term metrics and in many cases things work okay. It's just making that step away from the day job and figuring out how to do things differently and maybe taking some risks. Very hard to do unless you've got an organisation that really recognises that and supports it. And I think that's still the, the challenge across all insurance companies is how to make a sort of big change as opposed to just incremental tweaks. Mm on the innovation side. So Trevor, you've already got a lot going on in terms of what you're doing here, uh, and I think some quite exciting things coming up next, but what should people be looking out for, either what you're doing here in the lab or more generally across Lloyd's? Yeah, I would say in the short term, look out for some more thought leadership work. We have um, a really interesting report on the new space economy, um, looking at things like you know what SpaceX is doing and um, space tourism, etc. And we also have a piece coming out next year called Maturing Metropolis, which is on um, future cities and how their insurance needs will change. So there's a lot of good thought leadership coming in the future. Good. Does that mean you might be a chance to see Elon Musk in the lab at some point in the next uh, 12 months? Well, we could only hope. Good. Okay. Well, Trevor, thank you very much for carving some time out. I, I'm not going to suggest you're going to take a rest after the last cohort, but I'm sure you must be glad of a chance just to clear your head a bit and get ready for the end of the year and into next year. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Thanks. If you want to hear more from the lab, look out for the past episodes with interviews with Oasis, Finsys, Described Data, Hyper Exponential and Predicat. And we'll have more in the future, I'm sure. So if you enjoyed this, please feel free to rate us on your podcast app. And of course, to find out more about what we're up to, take a look at www.instec.london.